0: Series on the life of Joseph. And we have three main points. Joseph, forgiveness, forgave his brothers. You know, we spent a lot of time looking at forgiveness. Uh, tonight, we're going to look at forgetfulness. He had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Forgetfulness and fruitfulness. So we'll keep this fairly short, hopefully, and we'll get to the points that we need to get. So reviewing for those that weren't here this morning... It's impossible, the Bible says, to avoid offences. Luke 17 said, it is inevitable offences will come, but woe unto those that bring them. So how many of you here this evening realise that you're no exception if you've been offended in life? You're one of us all. We've all been offended. Two, 66% of people leave the church because they're offended. That's scary, isn't it? The scary thing is they take their offense with them too. So we recommend strongly that people deal with offenses. If they do have to leave, they should still deal with that offense. Thirdly, Jesus taught and demonstrated forgiveness unconditionally. People on the cross, they never asked him forgiveness. He just said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we said the parallel with Joseph is his brothers stood before him and he had every right to punish them, but he forgave them in a wonderful way. Joseph relinquished any revenge. He didn't want to get his brothers back. Remember I told you that if I was Joseph, I would have hung them up by their toenails for a little while. But he was a guy who didn't want revenge and he just forgave them. And Joseph believed God had a higher purpose for his life. I hope of all the things that I've said, that's one of the things that really rings in your heart. Because, you know, it's so important that we realise that people may do things that are an offence to us, but God can turn them to good. And remember, he said to his brothers, you meant this for evil. God meant it for good. And we've got to live in a place where we really recognize that God is greater than any offense that people can bring to us. And Joseph believed forgiveness frees you from all victimization. Remember, people who think that they've been badly done, when they can get a complex, they are victims. When you're in a victim, you're locked in because you're a victim of somebody else doing something to you. How many of you know when we come to Christ, we ought to break those barriers of victimization and move in the freedom that God wants for us? Okay, so we're ready to go now. Forgiveness can open the doors to forgetfulness and fruitfulness. The Lord has blessed Joseph with two sons. I'm reading from the scripture now. In reflection and contemplation, Joseph acknowledged God's goodness and blessing him. And he said... He called his firstborn Manasseh, recognizing God had enabled him to forget the troubles of his father's household. If tonight we can get you to believe this, that God can bring a place in your life where what has happened is no longer tormenting, no longer in the forefront of your thinking, but it's put behind you. And he said, "God's given me this child, and I'd like to, uh, I'd like to name him." Uh, Ephraim, because Manasseh, rather, because he has enabled me to forget my father's household. He named the second son Ephraim because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Manasseh, God has made me forget. I've got a whole lot of stuff here about people looking at memory loss and Alzheimer's, and we won't go down that miserable path. But most people, if you're fairly normal, Uh, If you're fairly normal, how many of you know you can remember a lot of things of the past, some things we don't want to remember. But here I'm talking to you tonight about a very important thing, that some of the things that happen in our life, time does not automatically heal. There are some things that linger on and on. And I'd like to think that tonight we could come to the position where we recognise that there has to be a putting out of our mind of those things. If you keep dwelling on the past, how many of you know that's the most detrimental thing that you can do? Keep looking back in the past? The thing that I'm amazed at that it says about God, <clears> He <throat> says, "Their sins and lawless deeds I will never remember again." Hebrews 10:17. How many of you reckon this omniscient God, the all-knowing God, the Almighty God, the transcendent God, the super, super intelligent God says he chooses to forget? Yeah, come on. My wife accuses me of forgetting, but it's not on purpose. How many of you know we often forget things, but this God has chosen to forget your sins? And I don't want to be cruel when I say this. Wouldn't it be good for us not to keep reminding him? Some of those things that have happened in the past, whether you're the predator or the recipient of someone that's been horrible to you and offended you, wouldn't it be smart for us to stop replaying it if God says, I want to put it out of my mind, I want to forget it, and I don't want it to be prominent in my thinking and your thinking as well. So retrospective thinking will paralyse your progress. There's a little lady in the Bible called Lot, Lot's wife actually, bit confused. But how many of you know the message to Lot's wife is, get out of the city, flee, and what was the other instruction? Don't look back. Remember that? Don't look back. What happened when she looked back? She became a pillar of salt. Now, it's metaphorical, but how many of you can understand the same principle can happen in your life? If all the time you're looking back at the hurts and the offences People, people do offend. We went through that in a long run this morning. But how many of you know, if you keep looking back there, it'll retard and paralyze your progress for going forward because we've got to be a forward-looking people. And I know that the realities of life in some people are very, very real and very, very hurt. Sexual abuse would have to be one of the most terrible things, wouldn't it, to happen to a young person. Sexual abuse, um, a victim of an accident by a drunk driver. I was sharing, for those that weren't here this morning, about the pastor in Brisbane whose nine-year-old son, Josiah, was looking at a Christmas tree. And a drunk driver came along and killed his son And the father, who was a pastor, the photo in the courier mail was him embracing the guy that had killed his son and forgiving him. How many of you reckon what a wonderful release that would be from not being painful for the past hurts? So I reckon that that pastor is a man that is seeing the demonstration of God's ability to enable him to forgive and forget put that thing behind in his life so letro- retrospective thinking will not be any good paul warns us in philippians 13 brothers and sisters i do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing i do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead now i check this word out in the greek forgetting and it means to put out of your mind. Do you get that? Put out of your mind. In other words, deliberately discipline your mind not to look on those things that have hurt you in the past and the people are there, but to put them out of your mind and put your thoughts on things that are pleasant, lovely, handsome, beautiful. How many of you know that's what we should do. Get our thinking yeah. to be positive. Some of the people that have hurt you, wouldn't it be lovely to think positively? Maybe God can do a miracle in their life and change and transform them. You see, it's so important that we get this right, that we don't become people that are hindered by the past. I ask myself, I wonder what it was that Paul thought was so bad about his past. It could have been that he remembered, he said, it says in 1 Timothy 1.13, that he was a blasphemer and a violent man. He was also a man that put the Christians into prison, persecution, some of them died. Wouldn't you reckon if he's now become a Christian, he'd want to put all that stuff away? We're not sure, it's not telling us exactly, but I could imagine he could be plagued with all the things that he did wrong in his life. And I love it in 1 Corinthians thirteen five. it says, because love keeps no record of wrong." I don't mean, know if you the love of God that is flowing in our hearts. I feel excited about saying this. The love of God that's flowing in our heart can help us and assist us in not thinking wrong, not bringing up the past, not looking at the past all the time. So the powers of refocusing, putting our eyes forward, refers to the sense in which the writer here in Hebrews is saying the perfect example is what? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finishing of our faith. How many of you know, laying aside the weights, not looking at all the problems we have, but when our eyes are forward. I love churches with a vision that are forward. I love individuals that have got a vision that's forward. I love people who have got ambitions for the kingdom of God and for their own life developing, looking forward, not all the time thinking about how limited they are. Do you know that God's got great things for you in spite of your past? God's got great things for you in spite of all the horrible things you've gone through. He can bring you into a place of prosperity and yeah. blessing and health and dynamic. Come on, yeah. Woo. Don't get too excited, Pastor. <laughs> forgetting. The fact that we can put that thing behind us and to the supernatural forgetting. Now, this is one of my friends read my book. And he said, I loved your book, John. He said, I'm not sure about that forgetfulness stuff, mate. So I'm not sure about that. I have got this opinion here as I read the scripture that God actually graced Joseph with this son. And he said, I look at this son and it reminds me that God has enabled me to forget. God has enabled me to forget. Now, I've spent a few moments saying that we've got to discipline those memories and put them out of our mind. But how many of you could believe with me that there is a gracing of God? There's something supernatural that can come into your life and cause you not to be hindered and cause you to live in that hurtful memory, but live in a new dimension, a gracing of God's forgetfulness. I'd like to pray for people tonight with all of the, the team there if you want prayer. Do you know what I'd love to pray? God, let your gracing of forgetfulness be upon this person oh, yeah. so that the past is no longer a hint. Oops, who put that there? Yeah. And No longer a hindrance but a blessing. What's it there for? Ah, oh, for water, mate. I, I generate my own water. I don't need water <laughs> How many of you were around when we had the emphasis of the healing of the memories? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Huh? I forgot. You forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but you are clever, Valerie. She is so clever. But I remember I went to this conference and they were right into this and these people who I'd never met before, they went like, oh, Brother John, we're going to lay our hands upon your head. Any thoughts that come forward from the past we want to tell we want you to speak man we're going to pray mate I'm not going to tell these people I don't know I mean some of the thoughts I've had you would not want to know about them (laughs) how many of you reckon that that's a pretty dangerous thing so I'm a little bit nervous about the healing of the memories when people dig up all the past Hmm. anyway what I'm saying is I do believe there is the Holy Spirit healing of the memories and I believe there is a gifting, a supernatural gifting that can assist us in getting to that area where we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from our past. It's no longer in God's memory, and we're not going to keep it in our memory. There's a Psalm 61, verse 3. And I felt that this would be an appropriate psalm to say to you tonight. Those of you who have been offended, deeply offended, Remember, we talked about the insignificant. The lady that said, "She forgive me because I walked past her." How many of you know? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about deep offences in your life. But the Scripture says in Psalm 61:3, "He will give you a beauty for ashes, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning." And a garment of praise for the spirit of despair. Uh, I would love to have us all pray right now over each other. Oh, God, give to my friend beauty for ashes, where there's been the sorrow of the past, where they've sat and burned and the ashes of their life. May there come beauty out of that. May we be people that accept that there is the joy where there has been mourning. That's, that's not the early morning. That's the sorrow morning. How many of you know God can give you joy in the place of mourning? And the, what about this one? A garment of praise for the spirit of despair. Come on. How good is that, brothers and sisters? A garment of whatever's been uh, uh, the despair of our life, the wrecking of our thoughts of the future. May there come this wonderful spirit of praise. I tell you what, I love your praise here, bro. No, isn't it really lovely? I love anointed presence of God. It's really good, but we won't keep getting sidetracked because we've got to keep going. So Manasseh is forgetting, helps us live beyond false, listen to me, helps you live beyond false guilt and false punishment. The story is quite an interesting story With the lady, the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, where the prophet comes along and the son dies, remember that? And she says to the prophet, she said, have you come here to bring judgment of my sins upon my son? How many of you know, if you live constantly being reminded of the past that you have and you're expecting you're going to be punished for the past you have, this is the sort of thing that happens, that when some things go wrong, something goes wrong in your life, you lose it all. Standing before Joseph, we read in Genesis 42, 21, his brothers, when Joseph stood before them, they said to each other, surely we are being punished because of our brother. They didn't know it was Joseph. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life but we would not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. Do you get this picture? This is an incredible picture that Joseph's pleading with these guys. Please don't send me down this pit. Please don't sell me to these Egyptians. They looked at that and they're reflecting on it and they realised that distress, but they totally ignored it. Now guilt's coming on them. Incredible guilt. How many of you know when you don't resolve your sins and and stains and offences of the past, you can be like an antenna anticipating that God's going to get you, something's going to go wrong. If a child dies like this lady, it's God punishing for my sins. Would you please write this down on the neck of someone in front of you? When God forgives you, he forgets. He's not wanting to punish you for anything that you've done in the past. One of the great gospel truths is that when we're in Christ, we have a brand new future, not a future that's going to be retrospective, always catching up on us, always causing us if troubles go wrong, that this is God's punishment in our lives. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins. No more. How good is that? How good is that? Living beyond a perceived unfairness. Joseph, of everybody could have a, a, a great grudge against God because of God's unfairness. How I many of you reckon all the things that happened to him? But there's no record of Joseph having any contemplation that God was unfair to him. What about the story of Job? Do you reckon that's the most unfair story in the Bible? He's a righteous man doing his, doing his best to be a godly person. God is challenged by Satan. No, God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, the only reason he's like he is, mate, you've got a fence around him. Take the fence down, let me at him, and I'll show you what's in his heart. God allows Satan to influence his life, kills his kids, takes his cattle, takes his home. And how many of you know, in all these things, Job did not judge God wrongly. God did not get the blame for what Joseph was doing. Can you hear this when I say to you, wouldn't it be be a better theology that we believe God has got good things for us yeah. rather than God is punishing us Come for on. things. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better than judging our brothers and sisters that something goes bad in their life that we go, oh, they must have done something wrong. How many of you know, that's Job's comforters. They were wonderful brothers and sisters. Well, well, Joe, you must have done something wrong. You know, this doesn't happen automatically. How about we go, maybe God's got a bigger purpose than what we can actually see. just inspired at this moment to share this story to you about a a bloke called Lazarus and uh, the sisters uh, got a message Lazarus come on quickly you know the boy's dying and Jesus deliberately stayed behind and in two separate verses in the Bible when Jesus got there they said if you'd have been here Jesus this wouldn't have happened now get this get this story they concluded that Jesus didn't have enough compassion to get there while he was sick. Secondly, they didn't have, they didn't, Jesus didn't have the understanding of what meant to be urgent, get here quick. But will you hear this carefully? Jesus had a better plan than just healing Lazarus. Jesus actually had... The resurrection from the dead, which would not only bring glory to God, but would amaze the people at the power that God has. And friends, sometimes we can make a judgment, uh, God didn't turn up on time and I thought God would do this and I thought God would do that and he didn't do it. What say we get a bit of a theology that maybe God's got something better up the front there? My daughter was looking for a coffee shop to buy, Lisa Coffee Shop, and the first three she... You know, it went like this. Oh, Dad, this is not good enough. And you know what dads say? Well, lovey, if that door closes, how I many of you have said this? If that door closes, God's got a better door open. Now, after a little while, that wears thin. Don't <laughs> well, lovey, if that's for. But I want to tell you the truth, my wife's here. This girl has finished up with the best shop she could possibly get, with the best rent she could possibly get. And so sometimes our disappointments, what we put judgment. I wonder if I've done something wrong. I wonder if I lost that because uh, a contract because I haven't been doing the right thing. How many of you know, get that guilt out. Amen. Stop think being guilt-ridden. Stop thinking that your pastor's catching up with you. And why don't you have a bit of faith that maybe God's got a terrific thing up there? Maybe there's something really good that God's got his purpose in your life, not just doing exactly what you think he should do. How many of you know the Bible's got a a lot of God-blamers? I love it when the children of Israel have crossed the Red Sea and they get the tambourines, and boy, they're going, yeah, hallelujah, this is fantastic. And when things go wrong, we'd be better off with the garlic and the onions. And you, Moses, you did this. And God, you did that. How many of you know people start blaming everybody for everything else that goes wrong? Wouldn't it be good to have a good theology that says everything is in the hands of God? Can we say that what we said this morning? All things. Not some things. Not most things. All things work together for good to them that love God. How many of you are absolutely convinced that that is a good theology to have in life? I am. And the older I get, the more I have to exercise that truth. We went through a terrible time with our coffee shop. We had to get rid of it. And I'm telling you here, I can stand here today and I can say this. In spite of what happens, all things work together for good for them that love God. Might not work exactly what you like, but they work for good. Good doesn't mean pleasant and pleasurable. Good there means beneficial. Yes. Come on. Beneficial. What's most beneficial for you may not be what you have chosen, but God has chosen because we absolutely trust God, don't we? Trouble in my father's household. God made me forget the troubles in my father's household. I don't want to talk, go too long about what can happen in your father's household, but how many of you know Dr. Charles Solomon says one of the greatest problems they have in psychology is what's called rejection overt or covert rejection if you've been one of those kids that have been brought in a home brought up in a home that you've been despised and you know this is what we call overt rejection oh, we didn't really want you we wanted a girl how many of you know that's a wonderful start in life you know <laughs> And, uh, well, we've got enough, and now you popped along, and you've done all the trouble, and the poor kid feels horrible about that. Now, don't laugh, because I'm exaggerating, but how many of you know kids are brought up with that rejection thing? And rejection's one of those things in psychology they tell us, I'm not an expert, but they say that it doesn't, doesn't fall off. How many of you got to deal with it? You've got to deal with it, and you say, no. That's what my mum and dad thinks, but my dad, my heavenly dad, says I'm made in his image. My heavenly father has got a great plan for me. Yeah, they poo-hooed me. The teachers said that I'd never amount to anything. But my father up there said I've got his DNA. He's got great things for me. And how many of you know I'm talking to people here that have to be a percentage, and this is not a word of knowledge, this is just a fact of life. A number of you who would know what it is to be rejected and you still carry that thing. Would you please hear me today that this word is saying to me that there's troubles in our father's household, we can have those troubles, but God has enabled me to forget those troubles. That's another thing we're going to lay hands on for you tonight, that you'll have a memory loss, if I can remember. There's a guy in the Bible called Ethophel. I love this in Second Samuel 16, and it says, "And the word of Ethaphel was like the word of the Lord to David and Absalom." But it came this time when they said, "Nah, we don't like." It's a board meeting. Nah, we don't like what you think. And the Bible says the guy went home, saddled up his donkey, went home, put his house in order, and hung himself. What a wonderful leader! What a great guy to have on your team, like. There'd be bodies everywhere. How many of you know he could not accept <coughs> a disagreement with his opinion? How many of you know Father's household, I don't know whether there's board members here, but I, I travel enough churches and do enough troubleshooting to know that board members can often do that, not literally, but just hang themselves and, I'm oh, getting I'm not going to get involved. I'm not gonna, they don't do what I want, blah, 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 blah. How many of you know, grow up I'm away tomorrow, I don't care what you think anyway. (laughs) No, I mean it sincerely. We've got to get far more mature about life and decisions in church and our father's home. How many of you know people can say horrible things? I know a lady came to me one day and she said, "Uh, I'm not game to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Someone told me I was in the flesh. How many of you know that'll destroy you? Want to stop the gifts of the Spirit? That's a quick way to do it. Someone does that. Listen, that's not your job. That's the pastor's job if you so chooses to do that. Uh, I won't keep going on about the spiritual fathers. I won't even go on about that because I want to get on with this thing. God's grace for an Ephraim. Joseph declared the reason that he had named his second son Ephraim was that God had made me fruitful in the land. Of my suffering. This is my best point. You think you're probably thinking, well, I'm glad there's one good point coming up here. But this is my best point for the whole of this sermon. The Hebrew word for the Lord has made me fruitful is a word para, means to cause, to be fruitful, to grow, to increase. The pulpit commentary actually says double fruitfulness or double land. So Joseph is saying I'm looking at this son here and I've had some pretty tough times but God has called me to double become double fruitful increasing how many of you reckon that's the divine blessing of God upon a man who's recognised what he's gone through and can see what God's got for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all Please get this in 2 Corinthians 4. We're reading there. You and I, friends, are only down here for a short time. It's getting shorter for me. But how many of you know I'm not down here just to live for 70 or 80 years? I'm down here to live for eternity. And whatever happens down here, I've got to look at it in the perspective of what God's purpose are for me eternally. Can you get the point that I'm making here? If all you can see is the troubles and immediately now, you'll miss out on the bigger purpose that God's got for you by having things greater for you when you stand before him and you haven't had any great record or any great name or any great uh, pulpit or any great um, title and God's going to say, well done, good and faithful. Emily, if you know, that'll make it all for all the work that you've done. It'll make it well and truly worthwhile. Ephraim received the right hand of blessing. Now this is where it gets really good. Thank you, sweetheart. I have missed you, lovey. Were you able to get into the van all right? I was going to get a bobcat. We won't need yeah, to, will they we? They fall over. It's a mess. I tell you, not my fault. Not my fault. it's the woman you gave me. How many of you know, how many of you know, I've forgotten where I was going when she interrupted them. Where were we heading for? Oh yeah, hang on. Joseph had asked his dad, Israel or Jacob, to pray the blessing on the kids, the two sons. Now, the tradition is when you pray an imparting blessing, you pray for the eldest. That's the most important, the firstborn blessing. And they playing that there. Now, he's got his two sons there. <clears throat> and instead of putting his hand on the eldest like this, he puts his hand on the youngest. And Joseph says to his dad, oh, dad, you've made a mistake. This should be the other way around. And he wants to change the hands. And Joseph said, no, this is right. And here's my point, to forgive is fantastic, to forget is absolutely wonderful, but this son that is now the younger son is getting the double blessing because I'm telling you it's far more blessed to use what has happened to your past to be the use of ministry for those people in the future. The Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the right hand of blessing is upon those who will see what's happened, acknowledge that they've been, uh, you know, abused and, uh, and offended and all that. But you take a step and you say, God, I stand here tonight and whatever has happened in my life, I want you to use it for me Come to on. be a double blessing to somebody else. Who could help a person go through a divorce more than a person who's been through a divorce? Who could help a person going through a terminal illness more than someone who's been through a terminal illness? Who could help someone better that is going through a bankruptcy than someone who's been through a bankruptcy? And each of those three illustrations, how many of you know, they're horrible offenses upon our life, but God can turn those offenses and make them a great ministry blessing. I wish the church would stand up and look at the things that have happened and say, I am going to use all that past to give me the future blessing of, breath, blessing of fruitfulness for those that I come to minister. Because ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that that word fruitfulness means a double, double portion, double blessing. How many of you know what you are now? God can double up, make you bigger, make you better, make you more prosperous, make you more influential, make you a person that can pray for more people to be healed. How many of you know if you've gone through sickness, you've got faith for healing? Come on. If you've gone through those sort of bankruptcies, how many of you don't got faith for money? You've got faith. And that's the sort of thing that I reckon the church ought to be rising up for. God, thank you for the ability to forgive. Thank you for the ability that we have to not keep looking back on the past. And God, I thank you that I stand here now at this stage of my life. And I'm saying, dear God, make me a great blessing to other people. Come on. That's good. What do you reckon? Yes. And the Lord blessed him supernaturally to forgive, to forget, and to be fruitful. I'm going to pray. 709. We've done good tonight, Pastor. Let's pray. Father, I um, do pray in the name of Jesus that as you have prepared each life here, not accidentally, we're not accidents waiting to happen. We're people that, oh God, you've prepared from the beginning and the foundation of the world. We thank you, O oh God, that we have this wonderful sense of your forgiveness and our ability to forgive others. We thank you, O oh God, that you can give us a supernatural impartation to forget, the gracing of your spirit to help us to forget. I thank you, O oh God, that you've also put things in our life that we will become better people, stronger people, ministering life to others that out of our hurtful situations, fruitfulness will come into your kingdom. I'm speaking over this congregation tonight, oh God. I'm speaking that the past is not going to be a break on your life. The past is not going to be a chain on your life. The past is not going to be a negative in your life. But I'm praying over you tonight that there will be a born of the Holy Spirit, a sense of of purpose in the past, that others may have made it for your destruction, they may have hurt you and didn't care about you, but God is able to use it for deliverance. And I speak in this church, I speak a ministry of deliverance for those who are bashed and left on the side of the road of life, that you, with the compassion of your heart, for all that you've been through, will be able to reach down, grab them by the hand and lift, lift them up and give them strength in their ankles and their feet that they may walk life with Jesus. I'm praying over you this night that God's anointing would be upon your life and your spirit to open your eyes, that they would be eyes that see the future, see the possibilities that God has got for you. You're not some insignificant person. You're a child with God's DNA. You've been born with a purpose Yes, life might have looked really bad and bad deals have taken place. But listen, you are a child of God with purpose and he wants you to fulfill that purpose. And the hurts and the heartaches are not to destroy you. They're to make you a stronger person and bring you into the fullness of his purpose for your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray for people who would like prayer. And I know uh, with a subject like this, it might be a little bit embarrassing. I'm not sure I want to go out there. Hey, we're all in this together. We're not here to criticise or judge people. But I tell you what I would like to pray over you. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy for that morning. I'd like to pray those words over your life and believe that God will just impart. There's going to be a number of the team here ready to pray. If you'd like prayer would you please just oh we'll all stand up anyway but please just come and stand and we're going to pray for you together Down, just come down quietly, Jesus.